Well, good morning. Welcome to Sunrise. It's great to see all of you this morning. Thank you for joining us online as well, for those of you out there. My name's Jeff. I'm filling in for Dan this morning. Give him the morning off because I'm just a cool guy like that. Though I should have looked at the football schedule before agreeing to do this since I stayed up way too late watching the Lions. And if you watched, you know. There were lots of prayers, just like, Jesus, take the wheel. Don't let me go off when all my children are sleeping in my house. <laughs> oh, man, you got to love it. But we're not here to talk about football. That, we can save that for afterwards. We're here to worship God. So if you will stand with me this morning. We're going to sing some songs about nature and beauty and God's wonderful creation and all the things that he's done for us. So I invite you to sing out nice and loud.
sky and sea. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity.
right, sing this out with me. The words are real easy. Sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. Sing a little louder.
Yes, Lord. We thank you for your goodness. And we just pray that you watch over this morning and every day. We love you, Lord. I want to sing that chorus one more time. And just offer this up as your prayer this morning. Thank you, thank you so much, worship band. Happy almost New Year. God bless. Anybody familiar with today's date, special date? Anybody heading to Vegas for the weddings? They're having thousands and thousands of weddings, right? You've heard that one, two, three, one, two, three. Even men can remember that as an anniversary date. So they're doing a bunch of that. And what could be more appropriate than Father Time standing up here greeting you as we get ready to <laughs> head into the new year? I was preparing for my 30-minute greeting. They said, I've got 30... Oh, 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 wait a minute. That's three minutes. Ooh, okay. We better, we better speed this up a little bit. So this morning, I'm thinking about the past year. And when we had a wonderful kind of a staff dinner in the middle of the month, we did a little bit of kind of the church business with the, the directors, a, a wonderful group. And if you know the history of Sunrise, there's certainly been work to be done, and then there's been blessings, and there's been so much, but we had a little pizza, and we were talking about it, and, and the, the, the blessing was the memories of, of, of ministry, and the Word, and worship, and, and we know that our Heavenly Father just loves the praises of His people, and, and that's happened here, and relationships, and, and truth, and we learned about prayer, and we learned about the whole history of truth, and so many different things from, you know, Pastor Dennis. So, just a wonderful thing, but the, the, the directors, one of the comments that I heard at the table is, God has blessed us in a way that the trajectory is, is peace, love, giving, serving. You know, we're ministering in Niger, and, and they're, they're having tough times with, with, with war and stuff like that, but so many things just we believe that, that God is blessing our family in a wonderful way. So if you're, you're part of the Sunrise family, one of the partners, welcome. If you're a guest here, welcome. If you'd like to know more about us, there's information back at the, the desk there. There's a, a gift for newcomers. And uh, there's a couple of announcements that come out, and you're welcome to join in as a guest. You're welcome to ask questions of us, uh, you know, anyone you see that looks like they belong here or old like me. And, uh, and, and we're just, we're so blessed to have you here with us. A couple things. There we go. So, yep, if you're new, there's the QR code to connect. I couldn't remember what that was last time, the, the QR code. We also have some things that, that they may scroll up here. The ladies' Bible study is uh, starting January 10th. So that's a, a week, just a, a little week out. Um, Carol, raise your hand there. If anybody's interested in chatting about that, they are studying, if, if it's up, six prayers. Six prayers of the one you pray, there's uh, kind of six special prayers of the Bible. I think you missed it by a few. There might be a couple more. You might find those along the way. And uh, then there's also the, the, the men this week on Tuesday. There's a, uh, an opportunity to get together for 
uh, pub theology. And Noah, is Noah in the building? Noah's in the back there. If anybody doesn't know Noah, you can chat with him a little bit about location, topic, that type of thing. And a week from now, there's going to be the wine and theology. And that's uh, the Rosema House. Pam, and let's see, we've got, yeah, you, you can find out at the information table there too. There's no kid zone today. So we have a blessing of the, uh, of the kids worshiping with us here. Uh, special blessing, our, our youth pastor, Corey and Lindsay, are going to be uh, ministering the word this morning, and it's, it's kind of special. Um, I was thinking this morning, as I was just going to offer one other, one other thought. So, we are eternal beings. God loves his children. There is nothing about you that is perishable right? We think about, you know, men or, or people have 80 years and if by grace, maybe, maybe more, that type of thing. But God never looks at it that way. 2024, same as 2023, but he does, he does acknowledge time. So it's an interesting thing. And then as I was going through that in my mind, I just remembered, or, or I heard kind of a little voice that say, but you are approaching, Mike, your sell-by date. So I, I, may, I may be uh, getting ripe in that way. But our, our lovely, our wonderful God, eternity is forever and ever and ever. Your soul is, is that way. And if you have any questions about anything in, in, in ministry, your life, approach one of us at the table, and we just uh, would love to share the love of God, the love of Christ, and the ministry of Sunrise with you. So we got a little break coming up here. Did I miss anything? Got a little break coming up here. And, and as we do, this ministry has survived and thrived by the blessings of its people, by prayers that come to us from Niger, our other partners around the world, they're praying for us, we're praying for them, and by gifts and, and donations and tithes and offerings that come from here and, and even from afar. So if, if you will support our ministry with your offerings, you can do that now. There's uh, boxes in the back, there's online donations, and there's ways to do that so that we can help to continue to minister in the name of Jesus Christ here. God bless. Let's have a three-minute break, and uh, we'll be blessed by the word. Hey, how is everybody doing? Did everyone have a, at least a mediocre Christmas, you know? Did we all, are we all doing pretty good? I mean, that's, that's not a rhetorical question. Are we all doing all right? I'm curious, right. I'm curious who's still eating Christmas leftovers and who's not. Yeah, who is risking food poisoning and <laughs> yeah. eating Christmas leftovers? Nice. I love it. Nice, the degrees. Jacob, I would expect nothing less from you. <laughs> Proud of you. Well, hey, it is so good to see you all. As a reminder, I'm Corey, and this is my wife, Lindsay. Uh, I hang out with the students here. If you're wondering why I am up on the stage, and if you were expecting a more seasoned, uh, slightly white-haired gentleman with a slight southern twang to speak to you today, I'm sorry to disappoint you. Uh, he is, I think... Cincinnati something? Oh, beats me. It's Ohio. I thought he was just sleeping in. Yeah, it's unfortunate that he's in Ohio. <laughs> it's a rough place to be. But anyways, well, hey, uh, so today's message is going to look a little bit different. It's not your typical get ready for 2024. Uh, you know, God's going to bless you in 2024 or something. I mean, I believe he's going to do that. But um, rather than like saying, hey, we're turning the calendar and suddenly things change, um, 
Are we are we actually gonna do something like that? I don't think we are, are we? <laughs> no, unless you change it on me and then I'm gonna be a little upset. Oh no, I didn't do that. So there will be no holy yoga or how to get swole like Samson in 77 days or anything like that, or uh, 20 biblical recipes to use in 2024, nothing like that. Uh, those have all been things that have been written though, just for context. Uh, there are there are books out there, Lindsay. We don't need to talk about that, we do we? don't need to talk about that? Should I? Okay. All right. Well, hey, uh, we have a lot to talk about this morning, and I think it's going to be great. So why don't we just dive right on in? Lindsay? Yeah. Um, we're going to be talking about some wells, lots of wells, the actual water pumping wells, in case you didn't cue in yet. Anyways, we'll just go to the scripture. All right, so starting in John 4, chapter 1, Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing, making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. And he was alone at the time because his disciples had gone to the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Yeah, and so Jesus replied in uh, verse 10, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And, and this is, well, is very, it's a very deep well. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and animals enjoyed? And Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here to get water. That's an interesting point. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. And she says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband for you have had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Verse 19 picks up and says, Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it's here on Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshipped? Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when, I will, when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we, the Jews, know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it is here, here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way, for God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then his disciples came back and they were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? 
The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. So you might be wondering, what can we learn from this text, right? We have a woman at the well, and Jesus is there, and it's, it's kind of an interesting interaction. Well, I think there's actually a, a few big things that we can pull from this passage. Mm-hmm. Um, Linz, could you maybe just yeah. take us from here? Yeah, so this passage is interesting because to you and I, we might just read this as random or probably a divine appointment between Jesus and this woman at the well, but... Um, to the audience reading this passage, which would have been mostly a Hebrew audience, uh, they would have realized that this story reflects a very common theme seen throughout Old Testament scripture, and that theme being meeting at the well. So it's interesting, right? So we're dealing with an ancient community who relies heavily on agriculture, so wells are important, Mm -hmm. right? It's not like they could just go and turn on their faucet, which I love doing, or go up to their fridge and press the little press the little lever, and suddenly water goes into. That's amazing, by the way, right? We just got one. It's amazing. Yeah. Okay, I'm still loving it. All right, but anyways, so help us understand, Lindsay. How is this meeting at the well a repeated theme, and where does it fall in line yes. with this story in John chapter four? Yeah. So throughout the Old Testament scriptures, there's various times where these happen, um, and they all usually end with a marriage um, between the man and the woman who meet there. So, so like actual like like bells like and I do and, yeah and I yeah. do and, yes okay interesting. Are you familiar of the sort? I am. Okay, good. I am thankfully. <laughs> um, So this is actually something that John's Hebrew readers would have picked up on right away. Um, There's three really great examples of this within the Old Testament. The first one we'll kind of just gloss over real quick is in Genesis 24 with Isaac and Rebekah. So within this story, we learn how God promises Abraham that he will make Abraham's family into a great nation that will outnumber the stars in the sky. Um, As we all know, Abraham will not live forever, but this promise will. So... um, So the family will have to live on through his son Isaac. So the story reveals an important point of God's promise of a great nation um, coming through Abraham's son Isaac. So in this story, Isaac is out with Abraham's servant to find himself a wife, ironically. So uh, they are at the well when Rebekah comes at night to draw water. The servant interacts with Rebekah, and long story short, a relationship is struck up, and Rebekah runs home to tell her house what happened at the well. And after a short period of time, Isaac is invited into Rebecca's home um, and her father gives her a way to Isaac to be married. Okay, so if you're single and you're looking to get married, find a well. Find a well and just go post up there and (laughs) hang out. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. All right. Tell me more. Yeah, so another great example of this is just one generation later uh, in Genesis 29, um, Jacob and Rachel, who meet at the well, um, that's where Jacob is at the well, learns from the shepherds that the well he is at is in the land of his ancestors. And while he's there, Rachel comes to draw water for her flock because she was actually a shepherd. And I didn't know that before studying for this. I didn't either. I was, so I, I thought did that was not cool. realize that she was a shepherd. I yeah. thought it really interesting. But, um, so she's drawing water for the flock for her father, Laban, and Jacob goes and moves the stone to allow Rachel's flock to be given water. So now in this story, <laughs> the next part um, says that Jacob went and kissed Rachel and then he wept aloud. Hmm. Um, and then Rachel ran away to tell her dad, but I 
don't think it must have been a bad kiss because they did end up getting married. Right, right, um, right. But I would just say maybe some uh, wisdom from this, like single guys don't randomly kiss women. And even if like they're drawing water for your sheep and don't weep aloud after you kiss women. Yeah? Okay, so I'm gonna write this down. Yeah, so yeah. don't just kiss you <laughs> because you provided water for my goats and sheep. Right, yeah. Okay. Number mm -hmm. one, don't be random about it. And then I shouldn't weep, don't aloud, weep aloud after a random kiss yeah, that don't. I give to you at some right. random yeah. point in time. No weeping. No weeping aloud? No. Okay. So it was cool a couple thousand years ago, not anymore. <laughs> Got it. So there's one more, um, it's in Exodus 2. Uh, Moses is traveling from another country, um, as have the characters in all these stories, because that's a common theme, the journey. Um, and the scriptures tell us that he's resting at a well in the land of Midian, because he has fled, the, he has fled Egypt after killing the Egyptian slave driver. Uh, so the priest of Midian has several daughters, and he sends them out to draw water from a well. And on their way, some shepherds come and chase them away for whatever reason. All we know is that they're not good people. People, um, right. and the, but the Moses in the story stands up for the women and defends them from the shepherds and draw water for the flock, accompanying that, the women. That is a good move. That's a good move. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> After the women return to their home, they tell their father, Reuel, uh, that Moses rescued them, and their father invites Moses to come into their home, eat with them, and then he gives his daughter Zipporah to Moses to marry. So what's interesting is that within all three of these stories, right, excluding the well story in John chapter 4, we have a foreigner who's traveling into a land, right, and someone is at a well, mm -hmm. right? There's already somebody there. And the other person comes and someone is asking, right, like, can you draw water for me, mm -hmm. right? So we have these common repeated themes, right? So then at some point from here in the story, you have... The man is invited into the home of the father's daughter. Yeah, there's hospitality. There's hospitality given. There's usually a meal that's shared. And then in a very interesting form, that father gives his daughter to be wed to the man. Yeah. So it's very interesting. You got it. Okay. So what's interesting to me is that in John's gospel, uh, we have a very similar story, right? You have Jesus, who's a foreigner. He's traveling to Galilee. And according to scholars, Jesus, what's interesting, when you study the geography, he really had two options of how to get to Galilee. Um, he could have taken the most direct route, which is the route he took, but that led him through Samaria. Uh, and that's interesting because Jews did not like Samaritans um, at all. And, and, and to add a, just a level of context to this, just a generation after this story happens, um, the Jewish leaders set up this law basically stating that if you were the daughter of a Samaritan woman, right, which meant you're a Samaritan woman, um, you are considered less than because in their minds you just lived in a constant state of menstruating, uh, which meant that you were completely ceremonially unclean all of your existence of life, and so it was worthless to try and even consider you to be a part of the community. Mm -hmm. um, and they did this only for the purposes of they did not like Samaritan women, right? So just to add context here, you have a people group who does not like another people group because of the way that they look, act, think, or believe. We've never seen that before in our world, have we? <laughs> never have seen that, right? 
and so that's interesting. So you have that pathway, uh, and Jesus chooses to take that. And there's another pathway that a lot of Jews would take, which is longer, that led them around Samaria, just because they did not want to encounter the Samaritans. Which is very, very interesting. Uh, but thankfully, we know that Jesus is not prejudiced toward people, right? Uh, I love the fact that it, it's for all tribes, all tongues, all nations, all people, mm -hmm. right? That's who the gospel is for, and I love that. And so um, this story is interesting because it, it, it's, an interesting it's an interesting encounter, right? And does it end in a marriage? I mean, Jesus talks with this woman about marriage and her relationships, mm -hmm. um, but there's no wedding that we're told of here, anything like that, right? Right, yeah. Uh, yes and no. <laughs> okay. Um, so, I mean, we know Jesus didn't literally get married, but right. we'll unpack the greater scheme later. Um, so in John 4, I feel like we get both a bird's eye view of the bridegroom meeting his church and offering his living water, and we also get a very intimate story where the personal God encounters his beloved. Mm. That's interesting. I like that. So before I dive in, I'll give you a little bit of background context on this passage that helps illustrate this kind of second major yeah. point that we're going to. Um, so like you said, Samaritans and Jews hated each other so much that when traveling the path that was commonly taken was called the Transjordan path, and it avoided Samaria, and it would possibly add days on their journey. Um, so Samaritans were considered, I don't love the word, but it was used in the commentary, racial half-breeds. So it was just a, it was a big mess of racial tension because when Assyria conquered the northern kingdom, there was an exile of Israelites, but the ones who stayed were intermarried with the foreigners, and so then they were considered less pure by their Israelite brothers and sisters because of the intermingling of the foreign religion that was actually forced upon them. So it would be like our modern day context of how us Michigan fans don't like Ohio. So yeah. we would spend an extra like eight hours driving through Indiana <laughs> to avoid driving to through Ohio. Because why would you do that to Why yourself? would you want to go on the turnpike? Why would you want right. to go on the turnpike in Ohio? <laughs> okay, anyways, I'm sorry. So basically if Samaritans were the scum of the earth, a Samaritan woman would have been worse than that. Um, and I just kind of equate it to like, well, women were property in this time. So marriages were usually arranged by the fathers of these women, and there was an exchange. So it was like, my daughter for your 100 goats. So think of it as a woman being passed off to her father, and if she is no longer her father's, then she's her husband's. But if her husband divorces her and her father is dead, then she's like property without an owner. Interesting. Um, and so I kind of think of like a no man's land and like a war, honestly, like super unsafe safe for her, um, not cared for, and honestly, these women would usually turn to prostitution to make some sort of money to care for themselves. Um, and we actually can see within the Old Testament, within the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible, that um, even the Samaritans knew the Pentateuch, that there were specific reasons for divorce, and only the men could issue certificates of divorce. So it did not matter if you're a woman and you wanted out yourself, uh, you could not divorce your husband. So, so what you're saying is the woman, the woman in the story can't choose who she wants to get married to. That's up to her father. Right. And she if he's still alive. If he's still alive. And she can't issue a certificate of divorce. Right. Because that's only the man's power. Yes. So she's pretty much just at the will of whoever Who, the man is yeah. in the story. Who will take her. Okay. 
Um, and so just to read, we're going to read Deuteronomy 24, 1 through 4, because these were the reasons for divorce before Jesus kind of rewrote them. Um, so starting in verse 1, it says, suppose a man marries a woman, but she does not please him. Having discovered something wrong with her, he writes a document of divorce, hands it to her, and sends her away from his house. When she leaves his house, she is free to marry another man, but if the second husband also turns against her, writes a document of divorce, hands it to her, and sends her away, or if he dies, the first husband may not marry her again, for she has been defiled. That would be detestable to the Lord. You must not bring guilt upon the land, aka property, the Lord your God is giving you as a special possession. So once again, it's a not-so-equal society. Women couldn't initiate marriages or divorces, and only men could. So kind of going back to John 4, we have the Samaritan woman at the well. And what is normally a community event, you know, the women would gather water together. They'd leave early in the morning or late in the evening to avoid the harsh sun, uh, is depicted as a very lonely time for this woman in the heat of the day. And that's right around noon, so we know that's right. hot. Um, so she's probably alone because of the public shame that was upon her. Um, we know that she's had five husbands and now Boothang, who won't even do her the dignity of wiping her up. Uh, that's Gen Z uh, in normal terms. She has a, maybe a boyfriend who won't marry her. Right, right. <laughs> Boothang, Boothang, wife her up. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when she meets Jesus at the well, she's in shock that he's even acknowledging her, going as far as telling him the reasons why like, he should not be talking to her, saying, like, why are you asking me for a drink? Because she knew that Samaritan like, uh, dishes and what would they, water? Jars. Jars? Yeah. Jars, the word. Uh, they were considered ceremonially unclean, so Jews could not use them. Um, but what she doesn't realize is that when she asks Jesus' question is that people and things don't make Jesus unclean. He makes the unclean clean. And we'll see that in a little bit. Uh, she also states that I don't have a husband to quite possibly detract from the shame that she's feeling for her five failed marriages. Uh, she also makes a statement about worshiping in different places uh, to likely allude to how their religion is tainted. So basically... Um, she's just saying, like, hey, we couldn't be further apart from each other. Um, there's so much distance between us, and, you know, just the shock would just remain of, like, why are you talking to me? Um, so what's interesting is most people, and even myself, um, that I've talked with, I've, we've had a lot of assumptions about this woman. We've assumed that maybe the amount of times that she's been married is in correlation to some character flaw, that maybe she's not the most sexually pure woman, um, or that it was her intentional choice that led her to being divorced and remarried five times. Um, we've also maybe assumed that she's chosen this life for herself um, and that she's living with a man who she's not married to because she wants to. Um, maybe we just assume that she's unlovable. Um, and we've also, a big assumption is that she was divorced five times, but in reality her husbands could have kicked the bucket. Like, they could have just died. She just was not in a good spot. No. Her luck was running out. Um, but either way, if we examine the law in regards to divorce before Jesus rewrites it, Deuteronomy says that only a man can write document divorce if he's displeased with his wife or something is wrong with her. Um, something like, if she's a bad cook, she burnt your dinner, divorce. Mm -hmm. uh, she talks back, divorce. Well, okay. uh, forgot to good. switch laundry. 
divorce. Not doing great. I don't think we would have survived very long. You, you, you're an okay cook. Oh, okay. We're not going to talk about the other things. Sure. Okay. Great. <laughs> great, I'm great, kidding. Great. It's a joke. It's a joke. It's okay. <laughs> um, anyways, another reason for divorce would actually have been barrenness. Um, so, of course, we don't actually know the reason why her marriage is ended, but it is a supported theory by several scholars that the Samaritan woman was actually infertile. Um, so, this might be crass, but if the property you have paid for couldn't grow corn, you'd sell it, right? I mean, that's, that's a fair point, yeah. right? If your whole idea is in the Jewish world to extend your lineage and to extend your name further, like you want to be able to bear a son, right? Not a daughter, mm-hmm. um, because as, you just, as we just talked about, like women were property, yeah. which is just so sad. Right. Um, so to carry your lineage on, like you need a man. So if you're a man wanting to extend that on, like you want a woman who can provide you with a child. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it, it is possible that she could have been a woman of outstanding character, really. And that's why these men kept on snatching her up, even after being divorced so many times, with such a, with, which was such a shameful thing to be divorced. Um, the rabbinic law even had prohibition beyond having more than three marriages. So then when these husbands found out that she couldn't bear a child for them, they were, they were kind of done. So we might not have a dirty woman full of sin in the heat of the day at Jacob's well. What we might actually have is a really broken woman who's starving for affection and care. So cue kind Jesus offering her living water in a way to worship that won't be bound to location but freed by spirit and truth. Like... That's a pretty good racket. I think and, it's a good way to like reframe how we look at the story. Yeah, yeah. And also just something that I find so sweet about this passage is um, the word for worship here in the Greek is proskuneo, which if you break it down, pros, which is the first half, means to move towards, and kanuo means to kiss. So Jesus, in asking and telling her and teaching her about worship, was saying, One day, people who worship me, people who move towards me with their kisses, who move towards me with their affection, will be worshiping me in spirit and truth. Um, And so just thinking of such a broken woman in a spot where she's probably just begging for a man to love her long enough to keep her safe. For who she is. For who she is. Not what she can produce, not what she can do, but just for who she is. And then meeting Jesus and him saying, would you just move towards me with your kisses? Yeah. That's powerful. Right? So to repaint this story, we have a broken woman. Right? And how many of us in here have ever been broken? Right? How many of us here have ever felt shame for something that we couldn't fix? Right? We can't do it. We can't help it. And we feel this internal pressure around us, which is probably what the Samaritan woman oh, yeah. is feeling. I mean, that's why she's alone in the heat of the day, which is such a dangerous time because mm-hmm. she is a woman and only a man could protect her, right? So she's alone. She's in danger. She's feeling shame. It's hot. It's just not a good place. And then you have Jesus, someone who should not, according to Jewish customs and beliefs, be interacting with this woman, intentionally choosing to meet her at the well Mm -hmm. and be there for her. Asking for her affection. Asking for her affection Mm -hmm. and kindness and love. 
that's fascinating to me. Yeah. Yeah, so John 4 seems to really match the same pattern that we just went through in the Old Testament of other well-meeting stories. Uh, there's the journey that Jesus is on. He meets the woman at the well. Um, the woman goes to draw water from the well and so on. Um, but unlike the other stories that end with hospitality and a marriage and, you know, joining of families, this one is, has a little bit of a twist to it. Uh, so the Hebrew readers would have been a little caught off by that and they would have said, what, what's going on? Like, this is different than the type scene that I'm used to seeing in scripture. Um, so Jesus says that he's there to offer her living water, and there seems to be a greater joining happening than just a man and a woman in marriage. Right, right. So this idea of living water, right? If we trace this idea, it actually goes all the way back to the Genesis story, which is fascinating to me. And it's when in the Garden of Eden, God provides rivers of living water that flow out to give life to the entire earth. Right? So we can trace this all the way back to the beginning, which is fascinating, mm -hmm. right? It probably means it was God's original intention. Yeah, I think he's got good ideas. I think he has good ideas, yeah. right? So in Genesis chapter 2, it says this. A river flowed from the land of Eden, watering the garden, and then dividing into four branches. The first branch, called the Pashan, flowed around the entire land of Havilah, where gold is found. And the gold of the land is exceptionally pure. Aromatic resin and onyx stone are found there. There's a second branch, called uh, Gahan, that flowed around the entire land of Cush. The third branch called the Tigris flowed east of the land of Assur, uh, and then the fourth branch is called the Euphrates, right? So when Jesus is talking here about the rivers of living water that will allow one to never thirst again, um, he is offering life in connection with himself. Mm -hmm. He is saying that when you come to me as the source, I will give you life, and I will sustain you just as life was sustained in the garden, Right? I think that's a beautiful picture, right? And we even see Jesus repeat this in John chapter 7 when he says that whoever believes in him will have rivers of living water flowing through them, right? That's interesting to me. Really, here's what it's saying is that when we go to Jesus, his spirit indwells us. And it's his spirit that sustains us and gives us that life in him. That's important. As the worship team gets ready to, to come back up, you know, the Hebrew readers are probably thinking this is a strange marriage story, right? Because all it seems to be doing is highlighting this relational difference between this Jew and this Samaritan woman. But the reality is, again, is this, is this story is communicating a fact that even though this Samaritan woman, by all cultural standards and by all standards that even we would probably consider today, is in no way, shape, or form fit to be Jesus' bride. To him, she is the perfect picture of who his bride is. Someone he wants to love and redeem and uphold and speak life into. You know, Jesus then describes this future bond between the Jews and the Samaritans and other worshipers. And as he does this, he describes a different marriage, and it's where the bridegroom comes for his bride, right? To bring them together in a perfect union. I think this is an even better well story than we could have imagined mm -hmm. when we first picked this up, right? It's Jesus who reveals himself as the Messiah. He's the one who comes to the well, right? 
and he meets this woman. And just like in all of the other stories, right, you have a woman who came to the well who was thirsty, full of shame. And she encounters the Messiah who shares with her good news. And what does she do? Just like in all the other stories, she sets her jar down. She doesn't get water. She leaves full of excitement and joy and hope and goes to tell others around her what the Messiah has done for her. That's powerful. Mm -hmm. When we encounter the Messiah, something happens. Life change happens. So if you want to learn anything from this passage today and to apply it to your life, I would, the so what, right? It's, I would say it's this. Just as the waters flowed out of Eden from the tree of life and provided life for the earth around, Jesus is offering life to those who would unite themselves with him in a symbolic and everlasting union. Right? He is offering that. And just as Adam and Eve, I think this is important too, thirsted for more than what they needed, right? They went to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because they wanted to become like God, right? They looked for something that they did not need and they took it and sin entered the world. How often do we do the same thing? We thirst for more than what we need, right? We look to power, we look to control, we look to money, we look to whatever we can make a God or an idol in and of ourselves, rather than relying on the source of living water to sustain us. So I think that's something to pay attention to. So is there something in our lives that we're doing this to, whether we realize it or not, and maybe we're finding ourselves unhappy in a moment or unsettled or unfulfilled, wanting more because we're not looking at the right source? Mm. And I think the last thing, if we could take anything away today, is this. Rather than us going to right, the metaphorical well to draw water for ourselves, let's let Jesus go to the well for us. Let him go to the well for you and provide you with the water that you need. Right? Don't try and do it yourself. Let him do it for you. We'll pray real quick and then the, the worship team will lead us. Jesus, we just thank you so much that you provide us with the rivers of living water. God, that you come to us, that we can be broken down and defeated. Um, God, that it doesn't matter how we can perform or what we can do or provide. It's just the very fact of who we are that you intentionally choose to love us and care for us. That you say we're the ones who are worthy to be your bride. Jesus, we just thank you so much for the life that you give and the grace that you offer uh, that in spite of anything that we've done, that you will still choose us. Father, I pray that you would allow us to take what we've learned here today and to apply it to our lives. Um, whether we're unsettled or we're struggling or we're feeling shame or guilt over something that we can't control or the things that we've done, that you would just remind us of what's found in you, the life that's found in you. Jesus, we're going to love you and we're going to praise you and we're going to honor you for all that you've done. In your name we pray. Amen.
with us as we worship our God. When all I see is the battle, you see my victory. When all I see is a mountain, you see a mountain moved. And as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. There's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. With my hands lifted high, oh God, the battle belongs to you. Every fear I lay at your feet, I sing through the night. If you are for me, who can be against me? For Jesus, there's nothing impossible for you. Let's try. When all I see are the ashes, you see the beauty. can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. An almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows, you win every battle, nothing can stand against the power of our God, an almighty fortress, you go before us, sit out, nothing can stand against the power of our God, you shine in the shadows, you win every
So as we go from this place today, let us remember to seek life at the source of life, at Jesus, right, from him. And what's interesting is in this story, we're actually never told what happens to this woman after her encounter with Jesus. We never find out um, what happened to the five husbands and why she had been through five husbands. We don't find out if things work out with, as Lindsay said, her boothang, right? We don't find out. We don't find out if she actually is barren and if Jesus heals her of that. We don't, act, we don't find out anything. The only context that we're left with is when she encountered the Savior, she was full of sorrow and pain. And when she left, just as the psalmist said, God turned her sorrows and mourning into joy and dancing and praise. So maybe if there is a challenge for 2024, it's this. A lot of us probably have faced burdens and hardships and things that we carry with us, right? And those things are hard to hold on to. But may I encourage us to go back to the source of life and allow him to breathe new life into you and your situation, right? Allow his rivers of living water to flow over you and to restore you and encourage you. That's my encouragement for you today. You see, friends, the Messiah has come. And he is coming again soon. And while we wait, let us continually look for him as our source of life. As the writer of Hebrews says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed and get this, pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur up one another towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day of his return approaching. Sunrise, be blessed, go in his peace, and have a happy, happy new year. God bless.